chapter 1. And let me just give you an overview, a small introduction. Peter writes this book to encourage the pilgrims, he calls them, and we'll look at that, or those who have been the dispersion. Because what was happening at the time, Nero Caesar was ruler of an emperor of Rome. Nero had a fetus on building. He loved building, so he was almost outbuilding everything within his area. So he burnt Rome down. If you ever heard Nero Caesar, he burnt Rome, and then he blamed it on the Christians because he hated the Jews, and the Christians had that likeness because a lot of the Jews had turned over to Christianity. And there was a great persecution by Nero. So the people that were living in Jerusalem were scattered all over the area. And he's going to address those who have been scattered and now they're living in modern day Turkey. They're not living in their homes. They've been dispersed. And Paul, um, Peter says he calls them pilgrims. It's kind of interesting that he would call that. Now, we've been through one of the most craziest times, as long as I know, and been around, 2020. We've seen a lot happening, and still we're seeing it. There's uncertainty. What if? You ever, have you been saying, what if? These people that Peter is being led by the Holy Spirit to, to write a letter to encourage them. And I think that is my heart this morning to remind you that God loves you. He's still working his will. And that I would encourage you to not lose heart. It's okay for those who have lost loved ones through this whole pandemic. I just lost a good friend, Pastor Ed Alvarez at La Mirada Calvary. 65 years old. But did God know? Yes. God know. And pray for his wife, Maria, who's battling COVID right now. But God knows just as God knew these families, these Christians who had been persecuted and now they're dispersed throughout the whole region of the Middle East. I want to turn over to, just real quick, hold your space in chapter 1 and turn over to Second Peter chapter 1 
verse 12 and 15. I want to read this, and then we'll pray. I think this is the heart of God this morning to encourage you and to remind you. Peter says this in the second book. He writes, For this reason, I will not be, I will not be um, negligent to remind you always of these things. Though you know and are established in this present truth, yes, I think it is right, as long as I am in this tent, to stir you up by reminding you, knowing that shortly I must put off my tent, just as the Lord Jesus Christ showed me. Moreover, I will be careful to ensure that you always have a reminder of these things after my decease. Peter was ending his days. He's writing this letter. He's been around for a little while. It's probably about 63, 64 A.D. Peter's in his late 70s, you know, maybe close to 80. And he's writing this because he knows he's going to be going, just as Jesus said, you're going to die for me, Peter. And he's encouraging these people because they're living in chaos. Can you imagine? We're quarantined in our homes today. They were pushed out of their homes and living in a whole different environment, away from the temple where they worshiped God, away from their families and friends. They're living in a foreign land who people who worshiped foreign gods. Chaos. And Peter is encouraging them and telling them this. Here's the purpose of this letter was to teach Christians, that would be us, because we're living in these chaotic times, how to live victoriously in the midst of hostility. Okay? Let me say that again. How to live victoriously in the midst of hostility. Do you feel victorious this morning? Do you feel you could take on the world? Huh. Some of us are just barely being able to put our socks on in the morning. It's tough out there, isn't it? And Peter's writing this, and I think it's so applicable that we are living in this time the same as those who had been dispersed. But Peter has a message. And I think we need to hear his message as he lays it out in this text. He wants us to be victorious, even though everything is in chaos. We have uncertainty who will be our president come January. We have uncertainty, will this coronavirus virus go away? Now they're calling, there's a mutant virus coming. They just had two cases in Canada. 
Where and when will this stop? Will we, never, will we ever be normal again or what we thought was normal? But even in the midst of that, <clears throat> you can still be victorious. How? How? Let me read this. Without losing hope, without becoming bitter, while trusting in the Lord, while looking for his second coming. Those are the things we need to meditate on. Without losing hope, without becoming bitter, while trusting in the Lord in these circumstances, while looking for his second coming. Peter's heart, through the Holy Spirit, wishes to impress on his readers, that would be us, by living in obedience, victorious life under distress. We can be obedient even in the midst of this time. And what does it mean to be obedient? What would God be calling each one of us to be obedient to? A Christian can actually evangelize in this hostile world today. How can you, how can I evangelize under this duress? How many of you have seen opportunities standing in the grocery line? Or at your work, if you're working? Or with a family member? You were around a family probably during this time of Christmas. Were you able to share hope? Were you able to evangelize? Or were you so immersed in your own misery, duress? See, that's why Peter's writing this. He's, he's going to encourage us and let us know. Back to 1 Peter chapter 1, let's read. He says, Peter, an apostle of Jesus Christ, to the pilgrims of the uh, dispersion in Pantios, Galatia, Cappadocia, Asia, and Bithynia, elect according to the foreknowledge of God the Father in sanctification of the Spirit, for obedience, the sprinkling of the blood of Jesus Christ, grace to you and peace be multiplied. So Peter starts off and he kind of gives his position, position who's writing this book, I'm Peter. And he says, I'm an apostle of Jesus Christ. Apostle just simply means one who is sent. One who's sent to an area that's never heard the gospel. That would be maybe a considered a, a missionary. They fall under this apostleship. But Peter was a true apostle picked by Jesus Christ. And we call him the 12 apostles. But the word apostle simply means one who is sent. Okay? 
he starts off and says, pilgrims. What's a pilgrim? I think in our history books, we learn that the pilgrims came from England and settled in our land. They were, we were called pilgrims. And I remember as a little kid, we would, in second grade, first grade, make these hats that were kind of square and had a little white thing in the middle of it. And, and we would, I don't know what we did, but we had Pilgrim's Day or whatever in, in school, and that was our history. But what is Peter addressing here, Pilgrim's? And if he's writing to the church today through the Holy Spirit, are we pilgrims today, in a sense? A pilgrim is a sojourner, someone who lives in a temporary residency in a foreign land. Remember when Jesus made a statement about placing his head down they were asking Jesus something, a question, and he said, foxes have holes and birds have nests, but the Son of Man has nowhere to lay his head. And I think the scriptures then follows and that he turned and pointed his way, his face towards Jerusalem and went. There was a purpose for Christ. There was a purpose why he was sent by the Father to bring life because we were dead. Amen? Amen? Amen. I just want to see if you're awake. So a sojourner, a pilgrim, is one who lives in a temporary residency, a resident in a foreign land. That's who we are. So, they've been dispersed. They're living now in modern-day Turkey. It was a Roman providence at, this, at that time when he wrote this. And they're living among people who do not believe in God. And he says to them, you are a pilgrim. Are you a pilgrim in this world? Are we caught up in this world? Chris was sharing in devotion this morning on Haggai, and he said, consider your ways. And I was sitting back there listening to him, and it's like Paul, uh, Peter saying, remember this. Let me, you need to remember. Consider. Don't forget who you are in Christ. Because that will help you in this time of uh, duress. In this time of chaos. In this time of COVID. If you put, if you realize, hey, I'm just passing through. I'm a pilgrim. I live in a foreign land because this is not where I live. That's why Jesus was able to say, the Son of Man has nowhere to lay his head. 
because it wasn't about him building his own nest egg, we call it, his own retirement. He was here for one purpose and bring life to our souls that were dying because we knew not Christ. Amen? Okay. So he calls him that, a pilgrim. Those who are in the dispersion, and that word comes from the Jewish term when Babylon came down upon the Jews in uh, the south of Judea, and Nebuchadnezzar took them away, and they were dispersed or in that. They went back to Babylon. A pilgrim lives with this mentality. I am only passing through. Remember, the Apostle Paul said, when you run the race, run, don't be so entangled with the things of the world. I think that's what Haggai was saying. Don't be so occupied building your own kingdom when you were called for a purpose. And that purpose is Christ. Okay. It may never get normal. Are you okay with that? It may never go back. Does that freak you out? But what manner a person ought I be? Peter says that later. And what manner a person ought you to be? Not what manner of what I should be like. No, because of what Christ has done, what are you doing? How are you acting? Are you showing Christ? How can we live like this with this awareness on our minds? Ask that question to yourself. How can I be more aware? Let's read on in verse 2. It says, Elect according to the foreknowledge of God in sanctification of the Spirit for obedience the sprinkling of the blood of Jesus Christ, grace and peace. Grace to you and peace be multiplied. Election. It's according to the knowledge of God. What does that mean? Election means called out one or one who has been chosen of God. Okay? Now take this in. This is what... Peter is doing, he's t- talking to those who are living in a foreign land, chaos, they're, they've been separated from their family because of what they believed, because of the emperor, Nero Caesar. Chaotic world they're living in. And he's going to tell them, this is the focus, you're a pilgrim. 
This is how you have this awareness. Because you're called. You're elect. He uses this word. One who's been chosen by God in a particular unique sense. This was meant to strengthen and encourage them in their affliction. Okay. So he talks about this election. He talks about it's an encouragement. How can I be encouraged if he's calling me elect? Now, I'm going to read this to you. The doctrine of election is a family truth intended to foster welfare of believers. Okay, let me explain that. So the doctrine of election, it's a doctrine, it's, a, it's who we've been called, that God foreknew us before the creation of the world and he called us and chose us. But this election goes further than just going to heaven and not going to hell. This election touches earth because it causes us to have hope. It causes us to say we're only pilgrims. It causes us to be strengthened and encouraged. And this election that God has given us is passed on like a, to family members. That's what we should be doing. We should be encouraging our family members, encouraging the church, because we're, they're like, I, I wrote down, intended to foster that would mean, the word foster means to develop, of development. We have been called in the call of election is to foster those around us, develop them with this thinking. That's what Peter is saying. With this thinking. Boy, if you're not thinking that, I guarantee you're, you're living in a chaotic world and the way you're thinking is a little scary. You may not have the hope or the confidence this morning. But Peter is saying, he says, okay, the dispersion, the pilgrims, here's, here's the point, your election. And this election is according to the foreknowledge, foreknowledge. Or preordained. You know, these words are a little confusing because how, can, how could God know me by name before the foundations of the world? Because he's God. I'm a simple person. I didn't go to college. I worked construction for the last 43 years. And these words of predestined, foreknowledge, foreknown, kind of just bypasses me or my understanding. But what Peter is saying, listen, you've been elected. You've been chosen of God. Even in the midst where you're living in, in Turkey, even in the midst where you're living in this COVID, you've been called and chosen be encouraged. That's who you really are. 
You're not supposed to be building a nest egg in this world. You're not supposed to be clinging or trying to find hope in this world. Have hope in me, God says. Let me be your king. Let me be your God. Let me read this foreknowledge, which is an aspect of his knowing all. This foreknowledge includes prior knowledge, okay? This foreknowledge includes prior knowledge. There's a, he had a prior knowledge. That's God. He knew all things. He's God. And sometimes uh, for myself, I just got to believe it. I just got to say, okay, I don't understand it completely, God, but I believe you. I've see, I see you. I see you in my sister. I see you in my brother. I see you in my life. I see you working among me. I believe you. It, it includes a prior knowledge of our response to the gospel. There is more to the foreknowledge than his prior knowledge of my response to Jesus. Election is not election at all. If it is only the cause and effect of an arrangement basing God's choice only on men. What does that mean? Election is not election if we're just going to say, oh, God just chose me and saved me. But remember, this election is about sanctification of the Spirit for obedience. An essential result of election is sanctification and obedience, meaning you're just not saved in the calling and the foreknowledge of God. God goes further in this election. And this election causes us to be sanctified in the spirit. Obedience to his word. It does this mean going to heaven. And that's what Peter is saying. He's trying to encourage us. He's trying to tell you one thing. Listen, you're a pilgrim. I know it's chaotic out there. But listen, you've been chosen of God. And this choosing was from the foundations of the world. But it just didn't stop when you got saved. It continues in sanctification. What does the word sanctification mean? One who is set apart for God. And you set yourself apart in obedience to his word. Meaning, I... I choose to not sin. I choose to live this way because this is who I really am. That's what Peter is saying. While some would like to think that election has only to do with going to heaven and hell, Peter reminds us that it also touches earth. A claim to be among the elect is doubtful if there is no evidence of sanctification and obedience. Let me read that again. A claim to be elect. If you're saying God has called me and I am elect, I'm chosen of God, but it's doubtful if there's no evidence of sanctification and obedience in your life. 
Does that make sense? See, so we're living in this COVID time. How are you responding to people around you? Have you set yourself apart? Have you been obedient to God and what he's called you? I think that's what Peter is telling us. And then he goes on to talk about the sprinkling of the blood of Jesus Christ, the latter part of two. There are three examples of the shedding of the blood in the Old Testament. At the establishment of Sinai and the Old Covenant, you'll find that in Exodus 24. Verses 5 through 8. There was a shedding of the blood when God made the covenant to the Jews. At the ordination of Aaron. When God called Aaron and the priesthood. He had, there was a shedding of the blood. From the shedding of, of the blood in Passover in Egypt. From the shedding of the blood to the priest. When God called him. The priesthood of Aaron. And at the purification of the ceremony from a cleansed leopard. Those are the three times in the Old Testament when God would shed an animal. One, when he made a covenant. Two, when he called the priesthood. And three, when you had leprosy. That's Old Testament. New Testament. It, it applies to us today the same way. The sprinkling of the blood on us accomplishes three things. First is the covenant is formed. Then we are ordained as priests. The covenant, when Jesus died on the cross and shed his blood, we have a new covenant. Amen? We have the forgiveness of sin. Also, it's when he called each one of us to be priests in the book of Hebrews. A priest, one who represents, one who loves his people. And the last one is the cleansing of our corrupt, sinful nature. That's the shedding of blood, and that's what Peter is talking about. Remember, he's writing to the Jews they understood the shedding of the blood that was in their law. And then he says, grace and, and peace be multiplied to you. Grace and peace. Let me just read this definition. Grace, the free and unmerited favor of God, salvation of sinners. There was nothing we could do to earn this salvation. It is the grace of God. It's given to each one because you believe, because you've been elected, because you've been called and chosen of God. And because you believe, you have the grace of God. It, has, it doesn't have 
any works involved. Mercy, compassion, or forgiveness shown towards someone whom it is, it is within one's power to punish and harm. We received mercy when Jesus died on the cross. He took our punishment. We deserved to go to hell. That's the truth. But because of his loving kindness, hased is the Hebrew word, hased. He, his loving kindness was so great that he gave us grace and he gave us mercy. Amen? Amen. Amen. Excuse me. Let's read on verse 3. Blessed be the God and the Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, who according to his abundant mercy has begotten us again to a living hope. This mercy is because of Jesus. It has no attachment to ourselves. It is attached to Christ and the work of the cross. That's God's love. Begotten us again to a living hope. This living hope is not something we're hoping for. That's not hope. That's the world's hope. You're hoping for something to work out. This hope is guaranteed. Why is it guaranteed? Because it's through the resurrection of Jesus Christ from the dead. This hope that we have was sealed on the cross. Amen. It was given to us. It's a living hope. Abiding forever. Not, I'm hoping to get it. No. It's secured. Like the Holy Spirit. I think in the book of Ephesians it says, and we've been sealed by the Holy Spirit for the day of redemption. Okay. It's a living hope. We're born again through a living hope because we have eternal life. This hope lives in why? Because of this, and this is why it lives, verse 4. To an inheritance incorruptible, undefiled, that does not fade away, reserved in heaven for you. Where is this hope? It's reserved in heaven. It's secured. Peter is telling us something. What is Peter describing? It's not what he's describing. It's what he is not saying is this. It can't perish. It can't spoil. It can't fade away. This is a guarantee. If I could guarantee you something, man, 
or if I can convince you of knowing this hope in Christ. Jesus did. He went to the cross. And he sealed it. He completed it. It doesn't fade away. Look what it says. So to, in, verse 4, to an inheritance incorruptible, undefiled, and that does not fade away, reserved in heaven for you, who are kept, here's the promise, who are kept of God through faith for salvation, ready to be revealed in the last days. The world can't give you this hope. The world can give you this inheritance. This inheritance has been sealed and given, and it's sealed from heaven down to earth. It's a guarantee that in the time that we're living in, you can be encouraged. You can still share the love of God with your families, with your neighbor with the stranger. You can still walk by faith. You don't have to be discouraged. When I heard that my friend Ed passed away, I said, Lord, the first thing my emotions are, Lord, why? But then the second thing I thought was, He's in heaven. It's guaranteed. It's sealed. Aren't we pilgrims? Aren't we just passing through? Why do we get so attached to this? Why do we get so attached to this world? Listen, you are called. You've been chosen from the foundations of the world. You're his elect. You've come this morning because the Holy Spirit is talking to your heart. He's calling you. He's encouraging you. He's saying, don't worry. It's okay. Passing through. This isn't your home. I'll cover you. I love you. I'm going to have... Chris and Albert come up here and we're going to stand. Just stand. Let's have all the worship team come up. This is the last Sunday of the year.
We got one more Wednesday. I just sense in my heart that God wants to remind you of these things because it may not get better. Albert and Chris are going to be up here to pray for you. And I will be here too. I just believe there's some who are struggling. They're having a hard time understanding what what is this all about? We hear rumors and that it's getting worse. That people in charge are tightening down on what we used to call our freedom. But listen, when you gave your life to Christ, you gave your freedom away to him. You understand that? Yeah, we live in America, but you're Christ. You're the elect. And you should be fostering children and sharing the love of God with them. That's why we're here this morning that we would be taught, encouraged, equipped for every good work. God loves you. And I want to have this time where you can come and we'll pray for you. We'll lay our hands on you. If you're struggling, if you're doubting, maybe you don't know Jesus. Maybe you're here for the first time. God is calling you. He's called you by name. And he loves you. I'm going to end in prayer. The worship team is going to sing a song of worship. Chris and, and Albert will be here, and I, and you feel led to come and let us pray for you. Come. Art asked me a, a question last Sunday when we were giving gifts out. He said, Pastor Rawl, what is God saying? And I said, come and see. You remember when Jesus said to, when he called the 12, he would say, come and see. I invite you, come and see what the Holy Spirit will do. Come and see what Jesus will do through prayer. Cry out to him. Let's pray.